0: While Powell can focus on Fed funds rate relative to nominal GDP, investors can focus on the fact that inflation-adjusted federal funds rate, the real federal funds rate, is only what, 30 basis points right now? Exactly. Historically, it's 4% before the economy slips into recession. You know, we've got to grow by a factor of 10, 12, 15 before we get there. From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm John Lynch. And I'm Ryan Dietrich. Hello, Ryan hey john how you doing i'm pretty well thanks how are you
1: i'm doing good happy 2019 to you
0: yes to you and yours as well hope you had a good holiday
1: we did and we, you know, we were obviously just talking before we started recording but drove to ohio so about 500 miles so called a thousand mile round trip with three kids two dogs and a wife but we made it
0: yeah yeah well we had our kids in town and then uh, uh very very nice time so did not have to endure that though thankfully and uh Someday yes. when you approach my stage in life, you'll be able to enjoy that some part of the emptiness during during the holidays.
1: Well, that'll be a change is all I can say.
0: Well, there wasn't too much to enjoy, right? It was a very, very difficult market during the time Felt period. like we so worked was, a lot. Yeah, it was hard, hard not to uh, check out completely. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know that was very difficult for our investors so and our listeners. So we want to make sure today, you know, in the follow-up to our 2019 Outlook, which was our last podcast, all that's happened since then... I want to talk to our listeners today about what's been driving this weakness. Can recession occur? Can it become a self-fulfilling prophecy, as we like to phrase it? Or can uh, you have a bear market without recession? And then finally, just kind of reiterate what we believe to be you know, the foundation of solid fundamentals, whether it's growth in the economy, growth in profits, not suggesting uh, it's going to be easy. Uh, We've experienced severe technical damage. You're more the technical analyst than I am, but I'm the fundamentalist who, when all when all hell breaks loose, I just look at the charts, and that's when I become a technical analyst. And uh, we clearly have severe technical damage. So it's going to take a while to repair that. When you see that jobs report that we just experienced, right, the market responded favorably to that, positive comments apparently from Fed Chair Powell and in that most recent interview. So we'll, we'll, we'll see how all that goes. But clearly what we need want to emphasize today is what's been driving this. Can recession happen, uh, or can you have a bear without recession? And then, kind of just reiterate why we th- we still think you know we're gonna have recession someday. We just don't think it's gonna be 2019.
1: Uh, that's right, John. So you know, before we get into that, I guess we'd like to officially announce this is our second season of our podcast. We finished our first season last year, and we're calling this the second season. So we made it. Apparently, whoever. Whoever makes that call said, for some reason, they gave us a second well, we, shot at this. We
0: thank you, the listeners. And if this was videotaped, we probably would not be on. But since it's just uh, audio, <laughs> maybe that's why we're maintaining the space face for far. radios that's times right. two. <laughs> that's right. <laughs>
1: uh, so, John, so let's get into it. I mean, so driving the pullback, you know, we had approximately a 20% correction on the S&P 500 leading right up until uh, Christmas Eve. Um, you know, I think intraday we hit 20%. We didn't get there. You know, is it just kind of the same old drivers? You know, the Fed, the trade concerns, the economy. I mean, you know, what, what has anything really changed in the last couple of months of us talking about the market volatility?
0: Yeah, just what what's changed is that sentiment has plunged. And we want to make sure we're... Not splitting hairs, but it's important to make the distinction. Now, the Russell 2000 Index of small cap stocks, the NASDAQ Composite, and a handful of S&P 500 sectors are in bear market. Um, The S&P intraday hit negative 20% on Christmas Eve, but closed down only 19.8%. So I say only just – I want our listeners to understand – the close down 20% is key, right, because that's when buy programs kick in, and that's what the algorithms are written on. And and that's what traditional analysis is based on, a closing price down 20%. So we don't want to sugarcoat things. This is clearly a bear market environment. And what's been driving it, uncertainty about oil, uncertainty about trade, uncertainty about the Fed, and the ironic thing is that the very same policy decisions that boosted sentiment in the fourth quarter of 17, clarity on the new tax law, clarity on government spending, clarity on reduced regulation, all those policy things came into question after the midterm election. You know, again, going back to the technical analysis of the markets, you know, the S&P had couple of corrections during the course of the year, wages in February, a near correction in, in March and April when tariffs first came out. And then when the S&P broke its triple bottom, which I think the number was what, 2620 Around there. on the S&P. Right. And uh, when we failed to hold that, that was the foundational crack in the market technicals that you know, brought us down to intraday, maybe 2350 on the S&P 500. So when you had that, it was a massive, ferocious sell-off that... Uh, nothing appeared to stop it until Christmas Day or Christmas Eve when the market turned at the close. That's
1: right. You know, just to put it in perspective, John, December was the, for the S&P 500 was the worst month of the year. You go back in history, since 1950, that's never been the case, and it was the worst December since 1931. Um, usually December hangs tough, but you're right. There's these other factors that clearly were playing in there.
0: If I may for a second... Uh, that was also the time when we released our 2019 Market Outlook. So we release it the worst week of the cycle, 10-year cycle, right. and in the worst month of the past 87 years. Other than that, our timing was excellent, don't you think?
1: Exactly. <laughs> I'll just say yes. <laughs> so you know, let's maybe dive into the Fed a little bit. Like you said, I mean, they're a big part. It was, I believe, October 3rd when uh, Fed Chairman Powell made the comment at a – it wasn't necessarily a Fed meeting, but he was at a panel somewhere, I believe, and he said um, – we're a long way from neutral. And if you look back, that's really when a lot of this market volatility started. We had a Fed interest rate decision in December. It was the ninth hike of this cycle. market didn't really like what they said because the Fed kind of gave the inkling maybe we're going to hike rates a little bit more than what the market participants wanted. going to continue to roll off $50 billion a month on the balance sheet. But all of a sudden now, John, on this Friday, Jobs Friday, there was a quote that came out. Let me read it correctly. Uh, Fed Chairman Powell said, um, we will be patient. That's the part that really mattered. And markets really took off on that. So is the Fed kind of changing their tune here? Are they really saying the same thing they've been
0: saying? W- what should we take of all you know, of this here? I think they've been saying what they've been saying. I don't know if the market's been hearing. And what I mean by that is, you know, we've talked in the past about, you know, Powell's not burdened with a Ph.D. in economics, much like Paul Volcker, right? So he's not going to be married to the econometric models, Yet Powell recognizes that we are creating jobs and that wages are rising. And his mandate, first and foremost, is full employment and price stability. Uh, It's not market stability. It's not currency stability. He has to be mindful of the last two things, but the former two things are, are most important. But when he looks at the data, and I have to agree, for example, When we look at nominal GDP, which is real GDP plus inflation, that's growing about 5%. The federal funds rate right now, the upper bound, is 2.5%. The Fed funds rate is essentially one-half of nominal GDP. Historically, it's 1% below nominal GDP. So when he looks at the data, policy is accommodative. But when investors have been used to, for a decade, free money it's hard to apply, right? It's hard to gauge, you know, the push and the pull, the yin and the yang of what he's messaging and what investors are, are hearing. We also have to keep in mind that while Powell can focus on Fed funds rate relative to nominal GDP, investors can focus on the fact that inflation-adjusted federal funds rate, the real federal funds rate, Is only what 30 basis points right now? Exactly. Historically, it's 4% before the economy slips into recession. So we're, you know, we've got to grow by a factor of 10, 12, 15 before we get there. So investors need to keep that in mind. And as, as Powell keeps messaging, I think the thing that really scares investors and what's different for Powell in a tightening cycle than all other Fed chairs and tightening cycles is that they also are allowing assets, maturing assets, to run off their balance sheets, So that is having an upward pressure on market interest rates. So um, I think he gets it. I'm not sure the market thinks he gets it, that he has to message, yes, two more times potentially in 19. Fed funds futures are suggesting a cut in early 20. So there's not, you know, there's clearly, you know, markets in the Fed are not in sync. But what we believe is that they're going to be less aggressive than feared, Real federal funds rate, adjusted for inflation, very accommodative interest rates, and when he makes comments like he did recently uh, about not being as threatening as people had feared, we think ultimately that's positive.
1: Right. Now, John, one other thing that's happening out there, the government is shut down. We're reaching almost two weeks now, at the time of this recording at least, that the U.S. government shut down. History would say government shutdowns, usually markets take it in stride. But also, they'll usually only last three to four days. This one's lasting longer. Now, I know only about 75% of the go- 75% of the government is still working. and still functioning. It's funded. At the same time, how much of a big deal is it? Is Is this playing into some of this volatility uncertainty that we're seeing, you think?
0: If a tree fell down on the forest would, and no one was around, would anybody hear it? <laughs> would it make a sound? Uh,
1: no. <laughs> That's right. Or yes. I, I don't know. <laughs> I <laughs> guess that's one of those you think about forever, right? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I've always hit t- 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 it'll be this. I've always thought, if you had a bar of soap and you dropped it in the mud, is it clean? I've always thought of that one. That, I, that's an interesting I, I don't know. You know, I don't know. Anyway. Uh, let's get back to the <laughs> Sorry for the government shutdown. That's right, government yeah, shutdown. Yeah. I really ruined you there when I we, said we that. We kind
0: of, sh- yeah, this has stretched out. And unfortunately, and this is another thing affecting sentiment, which is, again, another catalyst why we broke that triple bottom. There is a complete lack of faith in policy whether it's the Fed or whether it's the government. We've got constant political bickering. We've got pandering, uh... As we've said in the past, we think both parties are closer together on trade and infrastructure, but they're a mile wide on mm-hmm. uh, on immigration, uh, and clearly, any 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 further scrutiny the administration also will weigh on sentiment. To the degree that the government shutdown, you know, you've done a lot of work in the past. Government shutdowns tend not to impact the markets. Right. Uh, if they go on too long, they can be a fractional hit to economic growth. But we don't think it's going to be too threatening for the markets.
1: No, that's right. I mean, the last five times the government shut down, the S&P 500 actually gained. So that's that's important to know. You mentioned the, the word sentiment a few times, John. I'll just chime in with this. A year ago right now, had we been doing this podcast, we would have said, hey, S&P's up 15 months in a row total return basis, longest streak in history. Profits are great. Everything was great. But what's happened in the last 12 months? Well, you know, stocks have been down, right? Now, look at market sentiment now. Just according to some recent data from Lipper. Almost 76 billion dollars with a B were pulled out of stock and ETF funds. That's the largest weekly, or I'm sorry largest monthly outflows ever. Various cinema polls showing some of the most bears we've seen since either 2011 or 2016. Put to call ratio, some of the highest levels we've ever seen in the equity in the options market. What I'm getting at is, there's a lot of reasons to be bearish, a lot of scary reasons to be bearish. A year ago, everything was great. So, if you want to buy low expectations with any good news, you know it's tough to do right here. But really, there could be opportunity if we don't fall into a recession in 2019.
0: Well, that's the that's the big deal, right? Because whether it's the Fed, whether it's trade or oil, we've talked about oil being more of a supply issue than a demand issue. Right. We don't think it's a sign of slowing global growth. Trade, we want to see progress. A path toward progress has been the the line we've been using, right? I don't know if we're going to see a complete resolution, but, you know, we had a leading technology company disappoint on revenue recently, right? And that Mm -hmm. sent the market off quite a bit. Uh, When you see the Chinese stock market relative to the S&P 500 through at least the third quarter of 2018, you know, the market had been signaling uh, weakness in China all along. And I attribute uh, this fourth quarter weakness and this weakness in the last eight or 10 weeks on the S&P 5 and the U.S. equities more sentiment-driven than you know the data actually represents.
1: That's right. So, John, let, let's move on here. Um, recessions. Let's talk about recessions for a minute. Can a recession be a self-fulfilling prophecy?
0: Absolutely. We can scare ourselves into one, right? Mm-hmm. And I think uh, a good lead indicator there. You know, part of why everything was great a year ago now was because businesses had 100% immediate expensing and lower corporate taxes, right? So capital expenditures increased at a 10% rate in the first half of the year. Then all of a sudden, the trade dispute escalated and businesses halted spending capital investment, capital expenditures. So we, if we saw 10% growth in the first half, I think we only saw 80 basis points in the mm-hmm. third quarter, and Damn. we're curious to see what the number is when right. the fourth quarter is produced and uh, reported in a few weeks. If businesses stop investing and consumers see slower growth or less job growth, that's not been the case, obviously, with recent jobs data. At what point, whether it's political bickering, uh, geopolitical tensions, trade, whatever it is, to cause investors or consumers, rather, to pull in their spending, you suddenly have a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? If businesses aren't investing, if consumers aren't spending, mm-hmm. then suddenly, you know, you can believe yourself into believe yourselves into one. You know, I think about uh, the old Seinfeld episode when George said, uh, "If you believe it, it's not a lie," right? <laughs> if you can, That's if right. you're convinced it's a recession, it can ultimately become a recession. Mm-hmm. However, when you look at the foundation of services. Even our with our recent manufacturing data disappointment, it was just a handful of months ago, less than a handful of months ago, where we're at a 14-year high in manufacturing. September. Right. So uh, service is still near an all-time high or a cycle high. When you look at job growth, like we saw recently, when you look at wage growth, when you look at profit growth, profits are a great lead indicator for growth. So you can have a self-fulfilling prophecy recession, We don't believe that's the case. In fact, we believe that it's more likely you'll have a bear market without recession.
1: Right, and those are are possible. Just uh, this week, or the last couple weeks, Johnny, we've taken a look at that. You go back 40 years, we saw there actually were four times we had bear markets uh, without a recession. And three of those times, stocks dropped right about 20%. You had, in 2011... You had about a 19% correction, 20% intraday, 1998. Another about 20% correction, 34% correction in '87 without a recession. Then 1978 without a recession was around 20% again. So you think about that. That's three times went down about 20% without a recession, and we just went down about 20%. Now '87 is one a little different. But obviously, 87, we think, is a much different scenario, where stocks were up almost 500% from the 82 lows, of 40% for the year. In August, the rubber band was stretched. It made sense that maybe that could step back a little bit more. But what do you think? I mean, could we be near the lower end of this if we don't go into
0: recession? Well, let's take some poetic license and look at 11 and 15, mm-hmm. yep. right, where we were near bears but we didn't quite slip in a recession. You add those in also, those are those 17%, 18 19% pullback. So um, you can have a bear without recession, and, you know, maybe that's what we need. Right. You know, uh, with, with the recent jobs data, though, and the recent Powell comment, who knows? Maybe we won't get there, but before the jobs data and before the Powell comments recently— I was of the mindset, well, let's let's maybe this is what we need, right? Because the Russell's already there, the NASDAQ's already there, too many, too many S&P half sectors are all,
1: there. Half of all S&P 500 stocks, stocks as of Christmas Eve were, we're, we're officially of yeah. in a bear market as well. So
0: Maybe you need that kind of washout, right? Because whether it's computer program buying, whether it's the algorithms, whether it's just investors saying, okay, well, multiples are so attractive now. We've got record profits growing at historically average rates, yet we're discounting those profits at interest rates less than half their historical averages, that can be a buying opportunity.
1: Right, Now that's true. John, looks like we've got about three or four more minutes here, so maybe let's wrap it up like this. In our 2019 outlook, we titled it Fundamental. Focusing on the fundamentals, what really drive long-term stock gains, again, are the fundamentals. Now, we had two just recently. The ISA manufacturing data, you just mentioned that. That came out last Thursday. Largest monthly drop since October of 2008, down, but it's still at 54. Bottom line is above 54. Above 50 shows expansion. Just had a big drop. It was up over 60 back in September, the 14 year cycle high. Then fast forward to the jobs number that we just saw up over 300,000 jobs created. It beat, expected to be over 180,000, the largest monthly beat we've seen since 2009. So, one thing saying, hey, stuff's good. Others saying,
0: maybe not
1: so good. What's your take on the fundamentals here, John?
0: Well, it's interesting. You know, we did have that five-point drop. We've only had two instances in the last 100 years that were worse. So Mm -hmm. that's how significant that five-point drop was. But that very same day, last Thursday, when that number came out, we also saw a private employment report data that – was a blowout.
1: Which everyone ignored.
0: Everyone ignored, right? The market Mm -hmm. was down two and a half or three percent last Thursday. And then last Friday when the jobs data came out and Powell's comments came out, you know, there's a a distinction investors always have to make between hard and soft data. Hard data can be lagging like jobs, like manufacturing. But manufacturing is also kind of like a a survey. Let's see what the Mm -hmm. industrial production number states, which is more hard output, if you will. So it's always the hard and soft data, you know, the the consumer confidence, CEO confidence, you know, Bennett cycle highs. Does it come down from 10-year highs or 17-year highs in the case of consumer confidence? Things are slowing but they're still growing, and that's a primary message we're getting out to our investors.
1: No, Great point. So the ISM manufacturing number, John, came in at 54.1. Mm-hmm. I thought this was really interesting. If you look at that, that actually equates to a real GDP of 3.4%. Not saying it's spectacular, but 54 manufacturers manufacturing still good. But, again, it is the concern. It's slowing. And a lot of the other parts of the globe are definitely well off their highs, and some are actually breaking that 50 level, showing potentially, um, you know, Definitely slowing around the globe.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's something our listeners need to pay attention to. And I think all investors need to make the distinction. You know, you and I can pontificate all we want and say, but the data is good. Good doesn't matter anymore. Mm -hmm. Is it better or is it worse? And when you have um, technical damage like we've experienced, when you've seen investor sentiment crumble, good or bad doesn't matter, better or worse matters. And I think that's something investors need to keep in mind. So you and I can say, yeah, 3.4% GDP yeah. is consistent with uh, ISM manufacturing at 54. But if people are more concerned about trade, if people are more concerned about the absence of free money or the, the Fed no longer supporting the market, you know, those, those are issues that it's going to take a while to, to recover. So during that period of tumult for investors... You know, we still see 2.5% GDP growth in the U.S. economy. We see 35 or so in the global economy. Right. Uh, we get paid to worry, and we are not stressed over the inflation level because wage growth is still 120, 150 basis points below historical averages, whereby Fed officials would get scared. Uh, profits are slowing, but they're still off-record off levels. Mm-hmm. Off, yeah, growing average average pace off all-time highs. Again, discounted at below average interest rates. So when you factor all that in, you know, we're going to have recession someday. We just don't think it's 2019.
1: Right. You know, I guess my take is with all the sentiment, as negative as it is, you know, only 10% of S&P 500 companies recently above the 200-day moving average that's the lowest we've seen, again, since 2011 in the financial crisis. Capitulation. We've got man. a very oversold market. We just need some good news. And could it be the Fed, maybe, their comments? My opinion, Johnny, look at what really got us into this trouble, though, was probably some of the trade concerns. Seems like we're getting some high-level discussions supposed to start up this week uh, with China. I think we need to clear that up first. You
0: think we can get that cleared up in the first quarter, potentially? Yeah, If you get clarity on, again, not resolution, but clarity right, exactly. on trade— clarity on a less aggressive Fed mm-hmm. and a comfort factor that oil has been supply-driven rather than demand-driven, uh, I think the confluence of those three events uh, can help improve sentiment and let investors focus on, yet again, earnings and interest rate compounded annually.
1: No, it sounds good, John. Well, John, I think we officially are reaching the finish line for our very first podcast, uh, first episode of our second season of LPL Market Signals. I had fun today
0: and look forward to the next one. Thanks, Ryan. Always a pleasure to be on with you. And thank you to all our listeners. We want to wish you a happy and healthy 2019. And keep listening. We'll provide you with as much insight as possible on these financial markets. All the best, and we'll talk to you soon. Well, that's it for this episode. Join us next week when we'll continue to analyze and discuss market signals. Stay connected by following us on Twitter, at LPL, or at LPL Research. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. LPL Market Signals is presented and produced by LPL Financial. I'm John Lynch. And I'm Ryan Dietrich. For additional description and disclosures, please see the full Outlook 2019 publication.
1: The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide or to construed as providing specific investment advice or recommendations for any individual security. Any economic forecast set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee the strategies promoted will be successful. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risks, including potential loss of principle. No investment strategy or risk management technique can guarantee return or eliminate risk in all market environments. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. This research material was prepared by LPL Financial, LLC. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA and SIPC. To the extent you are receiving investment investment advice from a separately registered independent investment advisor. Please note that LPL Financial is not an affiliate of and makes no representation with respect to such entity. The investment products sold through LPL Financial are not insured deposits and are not FDIC, NCUA insured. These products are not bank credit union obligations and are not endorsed, recommended, or guaranteed by any bank, credit union, or any government agency. The value of this investment may fluctuate. The return on investment is not guaranteed and loss of principal is possible.